like really nasty. Usually I go out like a herd, so the kids must be somewhere else today. How was your week? Was it good? Yeah? All right. All right. Well, we're glad to... We're glad that you uh, are with us online, and we're glad you're with us here today in your physical uh, aspect. A couple things to take care of before I get into our uh, lesson today. Uh, thank you for the prayers and calls on my mom. Finally got her into Otterbein this week, and uh, she's going to probably, that'll be her new residence. And so hopefully we'll get to bring her to church sometimes and things like that. So I'm really glad about that. Uh, now i got to clean out her uh, house, and that's going to be really hard. Um, we've been doing that little by little, and I think what my mom did was she she knew that this was coming, so she hid money in about every place in the place so we wouldn't throw everything away. So we have to go through every piece, piece of thing that she has in the house, and uh, to, as so not to throw money. So far, we found quite a bit, and uh, what's that? Sure, can't, yes, yes, yes. She was a, she was quite the hider. So anyway, um, Thank you. She's she's still struggling, and uh, her health is not great. But uh, thank you for for uh, your journey along as that goes on. That's those of you that have gone through that. My heart goes out to you because it has been kind of a hellish couple of weeks here. So we're glad that uh, we're on the other side of that most of it. So we'll see what happens. Um, oh, Thanksgiving is coming up. And uh, it is, uh, I know we don't want to skip right to Christmas, and I want you to really to press in and start really thinking about what you're thankful for. And it's important because on the 19th, when we get together, we're going to have a praise service, kind of a thanks service, uh, thanking God for uh, who he is in our life. And so we want you to bring some, some praise that day and some thanks and be thinking about that. We're going to do that by kicking off with, we have breakfast here every week, but we're going to have a our famous biscuits and gravy here that day. So we want you to, we want to invite you to come. It's always a good thing. It'll be about 8.45 to about 10 o'clock. We'll be serving breakfast and then come for our service that day to kind of celebrate Thanksgiving together as our family. Let's pray and we'll get right into our lesson. Jesus, it is good to be together as a family. What uh, joy and what peace uh, we all get from um, singing together, uh, from being together and seeing that each other of us made this time important, that we took time out of our week, and no matter how busy and crazy it is, to be here in this place. And God, we pray that you will honor that today, whether we came in here and we're set and we're, we're good with you, or we came in today and we don't understand anything about you, we don't understand anything about your word. We don't understand. We, we just came in full of, of what? What, what, are, what are you? Who are you? What are you? Do? God, would you just do what only you do and uh, meet us at those places? I pray that you'll take my words and uh, you'll let me say the things I need to say, things I don't just uh, shut my mouth. Uh, I love you. I praise you. And we give this next few minutes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And all the people said yes. That's what amen means. All right, yes, yes. We're a series called uh, Four Letter Words, and uh, not the kind of four letter words some of you use, but the four letter words that uh, that are um, are scary to people of faith. And last week we talked about fear, and boy, we struck a chord with some of you because I've been hearing from some of you, 
And uh, fear is not something we like to talk about because it cripples us, it paralyzes us, it stops us. It, it, we don't go where we were supposed to go. We don't do what we're supposed to do. And so, in essence, we miss the blessings that God has for us. And so, um, today, I'm going to do another word. And uh, before I, I do that, I want to tell you, I, I, I've got the next couple of weeks' words that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about holy we're going to talk about obey, that's a, a four-letter word, and we're going to talk lastly, uh, right after Thanksgiving, about lost, L-O-S-T. And today's word is a word that um, there's two subjects I don't like to get up here and talk about. One is tithing, and I'm not going to talk about that today. It is hell, H-E-L-L. And you're like, boy, I'm glad I came today. Thank you. Hell. So let's talk about it. Uh, you know, I, I, in previous years when I've, four, five, I think it was four years ago, I, I talked about hell, and I think somebody came up to me and said, after I was preaching, they said, Jeff, until you were preaching about hell, I didn't know what it was about, or what, what hell was like, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, you, you mean that I, just sitting here and listening to me was like hell, I get it, so <laughs> I screwed up the joke, but anyway, you get the gist. As a culture, as a culture, and we're a part of that culture, whether we like it or not. We try to stay in the world, but not of the world. We don't, we have words that make us feel uncomfortable. We have words that uh, when we hear them, we tend to not want to, to go uh, very in-depth about them. Uh, that's why the word holy, that's why the word obey, fear, lo and lost, bring um, apprehension into our, into our lives. Years ago, back when I was growing up in the church, probably in the 60s to the 80s, you couldn't go to church one time without having some, some well-meaning preacher just laying it out about hell. Man, everything was about hell. Hell this, hell that, you're going to hell. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Man, it, it was bad. It was harsh. It was I mean, they, they, I remember as a kid being scared to death all the time because I would go and I would get, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go there. And that wasn't always a good reason to, um, to, to do that. And so I think what happened in the 80s, in the early 80s and, the, and maybe the late 90s, that a lot of the church, the culture was shifting, the culture was changing. And so people quit, pastors quit talking about hell very much. They didn't, they didn't say much about it. Because they didn't want to offend the people that were coming to church. Because people stopped coming to church. People started going, I, you know, I, I, hell no, that, that doesn't set well with me. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't want to hear that. And so I know some of you today, you might be in that place where you're going, I don't want to really hear that either. And I really don't want to talk about it. That's the truth. But I, I think you'll see here in a minute why, why we must. As a result, I think what has happened, we live in this same culture that I, that I mentioned today, right now in 2023. We live in this culture where everybody thinks that everybody, when you die, you're just going to go to some good place probably, or you're just not going to exist. <laughs> That's the, the, the couple of the thoughts that are out there. You're going to go, everybody's going to go to heaven because, you know, he's a loving God, you, you, and, and, or you just, you just stop being. You just stop. There's, there's nothing else to go. And that's, that's a problem. That's a problem not for the church. That's a problem for, for people. 
Because what we've done is we've trivialized and we've made uh, hell so mamby-pamby that there's, there's just nothing, there's nothing uh, bad about it. Who, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to hell and we'll, we'll, we'll take a lot of people with us and we'll go there and we'll have a great big party. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. As a result, we, we have this thinking that hell is going to be okay. That, you know, if I go there, I go there. And if, if not, I'm just, I'm just some dust somewhere and that's where I am. And I want to say to you today, church, this, this is probably one of the most important things you have to have in your mind is to know that if you believe in a heaven, you've got to believe in a hell. You've got to believe in a hell. There can't be a good without a bad, whether you believe in it or not, whether you believe in God or not. Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount, broad is the road that leads to destruction. It's a long, big, big, wide road. Many will find it. Then he says this, narrow the path that leads to eternal life, and only a few will find it. And so we've got to look to to God's word to understand about this concept of hell, this four-letter word that we don't often talk about. So I want to share with you four truths about hell. The first one's going to come up on the screen here today. The first one is this. The Bible defines hell as a place. It's a literal place. It's a literal place. Whether you think it is or not, the Bible describes it as a literal place. It has a, it has a, a place that's there. You know, and it's, it's really funny this last week. I, we, we, we sat out on our driveway and passed out some candy, and it was fun, and it was so cold, and it was snowing, and I never saw one devil. I saw a lot of ghouls and a lot of goblins, but I didn't see a devil, not one. I know there, there's people that have devil masks out and doing that, but I didn't see one devil. I don't think we think much about the devil because he's not really very real to us. We think, we think about God maybe when we're sick. We think about God when we're uh, at a funeral or going to a funeral or somebody's just died or somebody's... But we, we really don't think too much about those, those two aspects of, of that, of that um, concept. So there's, there's people that look at that, and, and when we think about it being a literal place, you have to understand that if, if God made it into a literal place, that means that he made it for a reason. And for that reason, there's things that have to happen in that place that are very, very harsh. And that's way underselling it. They're, they're very hell-like, very hell-like. And there are people that look at the Bible and they kind of view it as a smorgasbord today. And we, we pick and choose. I believe that there's God, but I don't believe there's a devil. I believe there's a heaven, but I don't believe there's a hell. And, and so the good shepherd, Jesus, talks about this place more than he did about heaven. From what I can tell, and, and I could be off a couple, but I believe there's 74 times that Jesus talked about hell in the New Testament. 74. He talked about it and talked about it. And you think if, if he's trying to sell a concept, if he's trying to sell this, this thing has come to God, he wouldn't want to be pushing that very much. And you know what? He only talked about heaven 24 times. So that's kind of weird. That's kind of something to think about today as, as we start this. And so when you think about it being a literal place, look what the Bible says in Matthew 10, 28. It says this, do not be afraid. Boy, this is so poignant for today. Don't be afraid of those who kill, 
the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and your body in hell. That gets me. You can destroy your soul, not just your body. See, anybody can destroy your body. A robber can come up and go, and your body's gone. The devil has the ability to destroy your soul forever. You will cease to exist and be who God made you to be in hell. That's a horrible, horrible term to come to grips with today. Nobody in here wants to even think about that. I don't want to think about it. It's a hard concept to grab onto. And when Jesus spoke of hell in the New Testament, the English word that we translate hell into is the word that comes from two different Greek words. One is Hades, and one is Gehenna. Gehenna. And Hades was this place that, he, that God created for the punishment of those who didn't come to him. Gehenna is a much more complex day-to-day thing. When, when Jesus spoke about Gehenna to people that there, they understood what Gehenna was. Because Gehenna was a place out this, outside the city. And there was a, a massive hill right outside the city gates. And you know what they did? <laughs> they took all their garbage and they would wheel it in little carts up to, get, up to the gate of Gehenna. And they would throw it and it would roll down the hill. And people would try to disguise it. And they would take their, their refuse, they would take some of their sewer, and they would throw it. And it's, it just smoldered and it smoldered and it smoldered. And then... When a criminal would die, they would take a criminal and they, after they put him up on the cross, because everybody got put on the cross and to die back then, that was, it wasn't just Jesus, and they would take him off the cross and they would take him and put him in a cart. They didn't bury him in a, in a grave. They would roll him down Gehenna, the, the Gehenna Hill, and it would smolder and it would just, it, would, it, would, it was a horrible, horrible stench. It was a smell. It was, an, uh, it was, it was a place that nobody ever wanted to go to. Because they knew that that was a place of filth and trash and loneliness and just a place that you wanted to stay away from. So when Jesus talked about a literal Gehenna or a Hades, everybody paid attention, like some of you are right now. Back in the times when Jesus walked the earth, people knew what that was. They knew exactly what Gehenna was. And it was, it was just a, a mere city dump that was horrendous. It was a place that nobody wanted to take anything of value to. And nothing of value came up out of Gehenna. It never came out once it went in. So Jesus was a master teacher. And he knew how to get people's attention. He knew what to say to people of the day to get them to say, listen, <laughs> My father, although he loves you so much, he created a Gehenna, an eternal Gehenna for those of you that do not take him and make him your master and, your, and the boss of your life. The stuff that you put into garbage is useless. It's, it's irredeemable. It's, it has no value. And so those of you that are here today and you struggle with your self-esteem, you struggle with, am I good at anything at all? Understand, when you go to Gehenna, you have nothing. 
You are of no value to any, anything or anybody. You do not matter at all. Whether you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I'm, a, I'm just this, I'm this lowball person that nobody likes, and you still have great value. But when you go to Gehenna or Hades, there is nothing. There is nothing in you of value. And that's hard to talk about today. And so Jesus, in all of Scripture, <laughs> he's waving the caution flag to all these people going, listen, I came, I'm the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Here's what you need to know. Not only am I the way, the truth, and the life, but there is also an opposite of the way, the truth, and the life, and it's, it's Gehenna, and you don't want to go there. There's a lot of other words to describe hell, and I don't want to go into those days because I don't want to get you confused or get you too much thinking about things. But let's talk about this a little bit. Look at Matthew 25, 46. It says this. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay? Notice the two words, eternal, eternal. The, the punished will go to eternal punishment, and the righteous to eternal life. Life that never ends. So you're alive, but you have no soul. You're alive, but you have nothing but horrible feelings. You're alive, but you have no awareness, but the awareness that you are in horrible state. I, I don't know how else to put that. Revelations 14.11 says this, there is no escaping. <laughs> when he says the smoke of their torment goes up and they have no rest, there is no break. You don't get to come up like some of the jokes do and say, now today you get to come up out of hell and you, you, you got you to gotta rest, but there is no rest. You are always tired. You are always hurting. I know this is a downer. I know this is a bummer for some of us today, but uh, we need to be reminded today of this place and its actual location, and it is a real, real place. So that brings us to the second thing. The gospel is necessary because of a place called hell. That's the second truth I want to share with you today. Because there is a hell, there is a necessary place for the gospel. It's important that we have the gospel. You remember when back in, in I'm, you, some of you don't do this, I don't know, but when I was in driver's ed, we'd go to driver's ed and I'd sit there and I would, they would put you a film on them. Oh, today I get to watch a film. And it was all these car wrecks. How many of you remember that? You remember car wrecks? Probably don't do that. You'd see these horrible, horrible car wrecks because kids were, today it would be because they're texting, but back then it was because they were, you know, I had my wrecks because I was eating something. I had three wrecks between the time I was 16 and 19. So, you know, I, again, I, was eat, I went over to get some cashews and I was racing a guy and I ended up in the ditch. That's dumb. Why did I tell you that? I told you that because <laughs> self... I don't know. Anyway, so I remember those horrible, horrible, horrible films and the gore and the blood and they would take you outside and they would show you these reenactments and there would be a car and somebody's pinned in it and they're, they're dying and you're going, oh my God, I don't ever want to get in the driver's seat. And I'd been driving at 16 about eight, ten years. I'd been in a tractor since I was four. And I'm like, I don't want to drive. I remember going to get my bus license. Patty will remember a lot of this. I remember when I went to get my, my chauffeur's license to drive a bus. 
He showed us horrible train accidents, showed us horrible things that happen when a bus is hit by, by someone. How the, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. Sometimes, the reason I say that is this. Sometimes we have to talk about difficult realities motivated by love and concern, not only for ourselves, but for our people. We have to be concerned about our people. And I'm, I, I said this last week, I'm concerned that some of us are not concerned for our people. We're not concerned that when they pass, they're going to go to be with Jesus. And we need, <laughs> we need to make sure that we know, that we know, we know that the people we love are ready to go and to be with Jesus and not to, not to hell. You can explain hell by the very term good news because if you say that there's, there's good news, that implies that there has to be something bad news. Hell is a, is, is a dark background on which the brilliant picture of the gospel is painted. Let me say that one more time. This is not my quote, but I love this quote. I found this several years ago, and I'm going to use it today. Hell is a dark background on which the brilliant picture of the gospel is painted. Because, listen, you can't have a heaven without a hell. You can't have salvation unless it saves you from something. It has to save you from something. What? Gehenna, Hades, hell. The literal meaning of the word gospel is good news. Good news. And we tell an incomplete gospel, church, if all we ever talk about is the love of God. He loves you so very much. That's only half. That's an incomplete gospel. And you leave out the truth about hell. You say, you're trying to scare me? No. I'm trying to motivate you. I'm trying to motivate you to take your eyes and put them back on Jesus and put them on the people in your life that are lost. The people in your life that, that say, I, I don't care about God. I don't believe in God. And I understand why people don't. I do. Part of it is because of us Christians. Because of our lack of faith. And we don't live out our life. And we don't do the things that we say we're about. We don't help those that, that, that have great need. We just take care of ourselves. So today we say things like this. Don't worry, because what goes around comes around. Well, we love justice in this game. We want everybody to be brought to justice. Except us except our relatives. We want people to be brought to justice, but, but the people that, what, what about the people that don't get caught? And the Bible addresses that and it talks about it. It's a principle of logic. It would seem that there's going to be some type of, of retribution, I'll get it, now there's a word I can't say, retribution where people are going to get some kind of payback because they don't come to Jesus. There has to be retribution. There has to be a cause and effect that happens. Justice demands it. And I would say if there isn't a place called hell, then Calvary was a tragic mistake. Listen to me. 
If you're here and you don't believe in hell, then why do you need Calvary? So, so Jesus, uh, our God, is up in heaven going, man, I missed that one. He, I shouldn't have sent my son. Heck to the no. You see, there's no pending punishment. There's no purpose for a pardon. And that's what we have, the good news. I've been pardoned. That should be enough, but it's not for some of us. When's the last time you were so happy that you're pardoned? When's the last time you know that tomorrow if you died, you're going to, when, when, when you've been happy about, oh, I know I'm okay, I think I'm okay. Uh, am I okay? Can't tell you how many people I go to talk to and when they're getting close to deathbed, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I want to, but I don't know. I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't. I wasn't part of anything. I'm no part of no church. I didn't part. I didn't go. You know, I didn't do anything that the master told me to do. I just, you know, I'm trusting that he's going to take care of me. You know, the big man up there, he's going to take care of it and say, "Come on in." The Bible says there's only one way. It's through Jesus. Two more, then we're done. These aren't as long. Third, there's a place called hell, and at it, this place called hell, it's a place of separation. I want to I want to spend just a second on this. I go to my, I have a lot of buddies uh, from my past, and every five or six years we'll get together. They knew me before I was Pastor Jeff. They knew me as with well, a wild child. And so they're always goading me. They're always getting on me. Hey, what do you, you know, perfect, perfect PJ. They call me PJ, Pastor Jeff. For, uh, and because and, and they remembered I wasn't so perfect in high school. And uh, they would say things like this. Jeff, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times my friends have said this to me. Jeff, I, I, I believe there's a hell and I'm going to go there and me and all my buds, we're just going to party. We're going to party. Every day is going to be a party. Every day. I can tell you something. If somehow you end up in hell, nobody's going to be there visiting you. Nobody. You're going to be in a spot by yourself because the Bible says it's total separation from people and the worst from God. Total separation. There is no beer. There is no wine coolers. There is no, there's nothing to pour anything on the fire that's going to be around you. You are by yourself, you and you alone. There is nobody around. You're not going to see anybody. You're not going to hear anybody. All you're going to be is in a little space with you in horrible agony. Jeff, that's horrible. I know. And for the first time in your life, when you're in hell, you're going to be separated from God. You're not separated from God here. You may think you are. You may think because you don't believe in him, you're separated from God. You are not separated from God. You're not. Look what 2 Thessalonians says, 1.9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. There is nothing, nothingness. So I want you to get the picture. What heaven is, is the presence of God. Hell is the absence of God. Of God, 
And think about this. None of us have lived in a world that is void of the benefits of God's presence. If your life is hell today, you walked in here and you don't know who you are and you don't know what you are and you don't know where you're going and you hate your life, you're still better off than you'll ever, ever be one second in hell. Max Licato puts it this way. He says this. He's an author that I love. He says this. None of us have seen a blessingless world. Even the vilest human, human beings know the grace of God. People who want nothing of God still enjoy his benefits. Adolf Hitler witnessed the wonder of the Alps. Saddam Hussein enjoyed the sunrise of the devil, of the desert. Sorry, not the devil. We hear those people heard children laugh. They smelled dinner cooking. They tapped their toes to the rhythm of a good song. They had some good in them because good comes from somewhere. Where does it come from? It comes from God. It just doesn't happen. Because if there's good, there is bad. You get it? So I'm telling you this, and it's hard to tell you this. Without his presence, there's no mercy, there's no intervention, there's no protection, there's no order. Well, when do I get out of this? What times break? There's no restraint, there's no peace, there's no rest. It is all pain all the time for all of ever. And you may be thinking, well, why did a loving God do that? Why did he make a place like that? Because you see, if you reject him, you reject who you are. Because the Bible says he made you in his image. You are just like him. And so when you say there's no God... In essence, what you've done is you said, just back away, God. I'm done. Excuse me, I got a cough. <coughs> and then there's the consequences for the stuff that we've done wrong, sin. If Jesus didn't take it away, it's still there. The full weight of your sin, no matter what you've done, is resting on your shoulders and there's nothing you can do about it. And if you reject him, you're placing your will and your wants and your desire for your life in your own hands and saying, I don't need a savior. I don't need a savior. And let me tell you this, when you create a universe like God did, you get to serve the rules. You get to make the rules. And he made some. Not a lot, but he made some. Look what Romans says. It says this, 323, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, I'm not a bad person. I'm not terrible. I didn't do anything horrible. I'm, well, let, let, me, let me say this. Let's take the, the thing when you're a kid. You break a window with one rock. You break a window. It's still a broken rock. It doesn't matter if you throw a thousand rocks through the window. It's still broken. You can't go to heaven broken because broken and perfect don't exist together. God's perfect 
And the only way you get made perfect is not by being good. It's by allowing Jesus to be the boss and the master of your life. By putting your trust in a Savior. Second, Second Peter 3.9 says this. It's not on the, on the thing here. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Does God want people? No. He wanted to give you a free will, a free choice to choose him. And it's up to you to do that. It's up to you to walk with him and talk with him and listen to him and follow him. It is not up to you to sit on the throne of your own life. And some of you are doing that. I'm king me. Jesus can go sit on a tack. And that's what some of you are saying. I know better. I can live with this person before I get married. I can have all these relationships with all these girls and all these guys before I... No, not if you're a Christian, you can't. It's my body. No, it's not. When you give your body to, when you give your life to Jesus, it is no longer yours. So where you go and what you do and how you do it is not up to you. It is guided by the things that we see in the Word, in the Word of God. Now, I know some of you, as I'm going through these descriptions of hell, some of you are just sitting there, and maybe your stomach's in a little bit of a knot. Some of you are going, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, thanks, Jeff, for reminding me today. Thank you. And some of you are thinking, man, I can't believe I visited today. Why, why am I here? <laughs> good day to welcome to ICC. I thought I'd actually ask him, Wade, to crank up the temperature maybe to like 95 today, and then you're all sitting there just sweating <laughs> just for a little special effect. Let me give you one defense of my actions today because this is, if you don't know anything else about me, know this. I love you. I love you so much that I don't care what you think about me. If you don't know that by now after 21 years, I don't care. I care if you don't like me. I, I, I want you to like me. I really do. But in 1983, I sat in a little room in Brookville, Indiana, at a church, real little old church with 10, there was 10 elders in a church of about 100 people. That was really funny. And I sat there for two hours and I was grilled by these old gentlemen, 80, 90 years old, about what I believe and what I think about Jesus. And what I was doing, I was starting the ordination process. And they, they took it seriously. At the very end, I had to make a promise to those guys. And they gave me a little card. I was going to show it to you, but you couldn't see it. I got a little card that I carry in my billfold that says, Jeff was ordained. I mean, it says October 13th, 1983. And I made a promise to those guys that I would preach. I wouldn't tickle people's ears. That I would preach what was in the Bible. That I wouldn't water it down. And most of those guys are dead. I think one's left. One of uh, those 11 guys. But I made a promise to them. And I made a promise to God. That I would never sugarcoat the things that are in the Bible. And so that's why I can stand before you today I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care if you don't like what I'm saying. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't. I don't because I'm going to be responsible for the things that come out of this pie hole. 
I am. Every, every one of them. Some of them, are, you know, I have to ask forgiveness for with you guys and others. Because I, 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 a lot of times I just shoot from the hip. But I, wanna, I want you to know that that's the reason I'm talking about this today. It's not because I want to. It's not because it's cause I love you. I love you. And, and, and things have got to change for some of you. Some of you have got to get off the stump that you're sitting on. Because you, you're acting like you're the king. You're acting like you're in charge. And you're not. If you're a Jesus person... He's supposed to be in charge, and you're supposed to be asking him, what do you want me to do, and how do I get there? And if you can't figure it out, you better spend every minute of your life figuring it out what it is. God has kept every promise he's ever made. Why would he compromise his purity and his holiness to lie about hell? Because I think that's what a lot of churches are starting to preach. Well, there's God, but there's, there's no hell. Listen, wh- why would he do that? Why would he compromise where everything he's ever said is true and everything he's ever done has been righteous and for our best benefit? Why would he do that? He wouldn't. He did all that. He sent his son to die on the cross for you so that you would never have to have one sniff of smoke in your nostril. I've sat around a lot of fires, and I love being around a fire. But church, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine, and I don't want to imagine what all eternity will be like sitting in a fire. Sitting in a fire, and nobody around to make it better, and no reprieve, and no rest That's a horrific place that I'm describing for you, whether you believe in it or not. Some of you are saying, well, I'm a good person. I really didn't do very much bad. Understand this. If you're rejecting Jesus by being on the seat yourself and you're on the the bench of I know better than Jesus, that I can steal, that I can cuss, I can scream, I can do all these horrible things to to people, to my fellow human beings and not care about them and and be okay, Jesus is not sitting on the throne in your life. You are. Jeff, that's just wrong. Okay. I want you to sit and stew on that for just a second. I've told you a lot of bad news. Now I want to tell you some good news. That's the fourth thing. Thanks to Jesus, you don't have to go to hell. Nobody has to go to hell. The Christian doesn't need to fear hell. I don't fear hell anymore. I haven't for a long time. I have no doubt in my mind. But I believe some of you do. And if you do, that may be a, the, the engine light coming on saying... Better check, better check, better check, better check. Because you don't want to pass away. I did two, I did was part of three funerals this last week, just this last week. Three, three. And I don't even know if two of them were, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, I don't know if they love Jesus. I don't, I don't know. They didn't, I, we didn't see it, but she was a good person. She loved this and she loved that. Okay. 
Good, 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 good. Jude says this, 123. Save others by snatching them from the fire. And so if you're here today and you're okay, <laughs> if you're here today and you're like, ah, Jeff, you were just preaching the choir today and showed up and I shouldn't have come and I should have done something else. It's okay. There's your job. Snatch others. Snatch others from the fire. Look what Charles Spurgeon said. He was an old famous preacher said this. If sinners be condemned, that's all of us, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with their arms about their knees. Let no one go to hell unwarned and unprayed for. There's your walking papers today to make our church what it should be, to make your life what it should be. But I don't want them to, I don't want them to think I'm a Jesus freak. <laughs> go around their knees and say, I don't want you to go. I love you. But I don't want to offend them. Okay. Okay. That's on you then. It's on you. You have a say in where people who love you spend their eternity. And you have the ability to influence others in your walk in life. Whether you think you do or don't, you do. And Jesus hangs on a cross before the entrance of hell. And he says this to you. He says, the only way you're going to get there is over my dead body. It's over my dead body. And so this is your choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then Bob quoted this at communion today, 17, says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. See, that's what the world thinks. The world thinks that he just came here to send us all to hell to take the fun away, to take the fun out of life, to suck the life out of the air of every room that he's in. He didn't come to condemn the world, but rather to save the world through Jesus. Through Jesus. And so I say this as the man comes. Don't allow your confusion over what you don't know to paralyze you from acting on what you do know. Listen. Listen to me. Some of you are paralyzed and you're, you're letting yourself be paralyzed on the things <laughs> that aren't important. Act on what you know. A lot of you in here, you know enough to act on it. Act on it. Christianity is an act-on kind of faith. It is not a faith that is docile. It is not a faith that you sit in your little cubby hole and you let everybody else go to hell while you're safe and sanctified and ready to go. Faith is a light that says, I found something, you need it. Let's pray. Today, God, we want to choose heaven. And I pray that we will swallow our pride and we will choose Jesus. May the skeptic that we know, may they begin to investigate. May the person with questions today 
question and question away until they know that they know that they know who you are. May the proud, may you humble them. May those who are good realize that their righteousness is like filthy rags compared to your goodness. God, take our filthy rags, take our friends' filthy rags, and make them right. I pray today for our church. I pray for those watching. I pray maybe for the first time again we'll be renewed, a renewed uh, enthusiasm in us to remember that there's people every day dying and not sure where they're going. And God, as hard as it is to talk about this, it's necessary. So God, do a work in us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band begins to play, this is what we at our church so affectionately call ministry time. And it is not a write-off time. It is not a time to just sit there and play on your phone. It's not a time to think about what you're going to do after church. It's about your relationship with God where you are right now. There's a couple options you're going to have here today. If you're here today and you have questions, don't walk out that door. If you're here today and you're not sure, don't walk out that door. If you're here today and you want somebody to pray with you, there's some folks in the back. If you're here today and all you need to do is just, just say, God, I need to talk to you. Do it right there in your seat. If you're here today and you say, well, I need more, we have what we call an altar up here. We ask you to, to come and be a part of the altar. You and Jesus. Nobody else is going to come talk to you. It's just you and Jesus. Just kneel down. You talk to Jesus. See what he does. I believe he'll answer you. I believe he'll talk to you. Let's see what Jesus does. shadows no less faithful when the night leads me 
astray you're the heaven where my heart is in the highlands and the heartache all the same whoa whoa oh how far beneath your glory does your kindness extend the path from where your feet rest on the sunrise to where you sweep the sinners past and how fast would you come running if just a shadow me through the night trace my steps through all my failure and walk me out the other side for who could dare ascend the mountain that valley hill called calvary but for the one i call good shepherd who like a lamb was slain for me oh i will praise you on the mountain i will praise you in the mountains in my way you're the summit where my feet are so I'll praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. Whoa, whoa. Wherever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of ascent. Whatever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of ascent. From the gravest of all valleys come the pastures we call grace. A mighty river flowing upwards from a deep but empty grave. Come on. Yep, come on. Okay. I want to make a quick correct correction. Bob reminded me of it, and I did blow it on one thing, and I want to make sure I, I correct that because um, it's important. Matthew uh, ten twenty eight says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who destroyed both body and soul in hell. I think I said 
I might have implied that it was the devil. It's not the devil. It's, it's God. God, God. Only God can do that. It's not the devil. So I'm retracting what I said there. If any of you figured that out, that I made a mistake. So please forgive me, and we'll move on from that. Okay? We are so glad that you've been here today. And uh, I pray that God will continue the work that he's doing in some of your lives as you uh, allow yourself to be open to what God wants to do in your life and that you will... Uh, allow him to gently move you off his seat or maybe (laughs) abruptly off of his seat and put him back on the seat in your life. Uh, Come back next week. It's maybe not much such a heavy subject, but still really vital the next three or four weeks. So I encourage you to be here as we we continue on with four letter words. Let me pray with you and uh, seal what God is doing in your ministry time today. And then uh, Abby's going to come and she's going to share uh, the things that are going on in our church at our video. And then you can go home. Jesus, we just pray right now that the work that your Holy Spirit is doing and has done would come to fruition. I pray that all the doubts in our, our minds that are real and are true, that we give them to you and that our trust and our faith in you is bigger than our fear that our our love for you is bigger than wondering whether people, what they think of us. May you put a fire in our bellies for people who don't know you anymore, for people who have walked away, for people who have have said, um, I I don't believe in God. And God, we, we, we need to be people who are concerned about people's, not just their bodies. We're doing a really good job of that here. We, we are, we're reaching out to our community and loving people and doing that, but we need to be concerned about the souls of the, of the people that are around us, especially our loved ones, God. Let us start there and go out. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Watch Abby, and then the guys will take you out. Good morning, Impact Christian Church. My name is Abby Lucas, and I just have a few announcements about what is going on here at IC. going to be youth group tonight for 6th through 12th grade. For the 55 and plus group on November 14th, you're going to be taking a trip to Brown County. Pizza sales are going on until next Sunday, so if you need a pizza, please find someone that is going on the missions trip. This Sunday is the last Sunday to get signed up for the women's retreat that is happening this upcoming weekend. LICC, that is all the news I have for you. I hope you have a blessed and awesome week, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Sometimes I'm under starlit sky, but I'm feeling more like dirt. How do I forget so fast who you are and what that's worth? Cause there's an evidence.